Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 119 of Slamfire Radio, August 14th, 2015. This week, 100% more, Matthew McClatchy. <laughs> of course, there's still the exact same amount of Owen, because he was on last week, and the exact same amount of Trevor, because he wasn't on last week, and he's not on again this week. So. Slacker. What a slacker. Of course, I was a slacker last week. Actually, that's not true. I actually ended up on the show for a little bit, didn't I? Uh, sure. Remember I yes. called in? You're like... <clears throat> I, I do remember vaguely, and, and, and I did, because I got some good outtakes out of it. Yeah, I couldn't hear you, but apparently you could hear me just fine. So, mm-hmm. sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, Trevor is um, off on vacation with his wife. Um well, that's Apparent, good. <laughs> apparently he's not allowed to come out and play, so... Yeah. It's good that he's on vacation with his wife. As opposed to my wife, or yeah, your wife, else's wife, or somebody else's wife, yes. It's his own wife, so I, I hope they're having a good time. We probably and, didn't need to clarify that, but... Well, it's too late. We've already done. It is. It's over. <laughs> so anyway, um, Owen, yes. did, did you do anything with guns this week? Uh, well, I put my big guns to work and I split a bunch of wood, but that was Yeah, ah, this way to the gun show. You can't tell, but I'm flexing. My yeah. massive biceps. Even if I was there, I couldn't tell. <laughs> oh, that's, I should hang up on you for that, except then I'd have to do the show by myself. I'm exactly. Not do that. that's, a, that's my goal tonight. To uh, get, get me to hang up on you? you? Oh, we could probably reach that goal fairly quickly. <laughs> it's going to be a quiet show this week, folks. It's just McClatchy. <laughs> So, uh, so so that's a no then, huh? Yeah, I'm afraid that I was too busy. Just just too much going on. I I, I probably will remember something halfway through the show that I did, but yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, well, we had an awesome adventure together. We did. Do we want to talk about that? Uh, I think we should. It's not exactly gun-related, and by exactly. not exactly, I mean not gun-related <laughs> at all. <laughs> But I do know that some of the listeners do enjoy the airplane story. So maybe maybe I'll get through what I've done with guns and okay. that'll hook hook the listeners where they they're they're already, you know, 15 minutes into the show there's no sense stopping now and then we'll pull out the airplane stories and they'll okay. they'll be stuck with it. And then maybe we'll we could just say you could skip ahead if they don't want to listen but whatever. So anyway, um last week I was, actually the week before, because this is a week later now, uh, the week before, I was at Trevor's house um, all week. I was there for, uh, jumps, eight days. It was it was a long time. I was there for quite a while. And we, it, it, it was, yeah, it was, it was a little scary after a while. Started to, <laughs> started to feel like I belonged, which was really weird. <laughs> started to see Trevor in his natural habitat. Yeah. He's like, oh. 
Join me as we observe Trevor in his natural habitat. <laughs> the dining room table. <laughs> I'm kidding, Trevor. I'm kidding. But you're not here, so you are going under the bus or the whatever. Um, anyway, so I was at his place. Uh, we did shoot the, the SummerSlam pre-match on uh, Wednesday and Thursday. But before that, uh, the couple days leading up to it and on Friday, we were setting up for SummerSlam. And I don't think we stopped organizing or administrating or doing something counting verifying everything for <laughs> you know the entire solid week and, and it was a lot of fun um oddly enough hanging out with trevor for that length of time he grows on you after a while and uh it's disgusting uh, it was weird that's gross yeah he was, he was on my left shoulder <laughs> he just started kind of sprouting out it was like whoa that's a busted calf muscle it's gotta be trevor <laughs> So, so anyway, uh, we, I really did have a good time there. Uh, I really enjoyed myself. SummerSlam was a lot of fun. Uh, I only wish that I lived closer so I could have helped Trevor with it more. Um, but um, the stages were really well put together. There were 16 stages, 100 or 285 rounds or something like that. And they had a space shuttle. They had the oh. house, of course, like normal. Um, they had uh, the maze, as per normal. And they had the boat. Now, you've heard us talk about the boat before, but this mm-hmm. isn't the same boat. This is like a 54-foot fishing, like, big, actual, like, huge boat. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you climbed up uh, a, a flight of stairs onto the deck, well, dock, I guess, and then step onto the boat. And then you climb up into the cabin and sit at the captain's chair. Mm. And the stage was your guns on the on the counter, and basically, I guess, pirates are attacking or whatever. So <laughs> so you grab your gun and the first four shots are between 20 and 25 yards away and they're 8-inch plates. Wow. Yeah. So that stage made or broke a lot of people. Uh-huh. <laughs> if you did not have your gun sighted in properly for distance shooting or if you simply did not have the fundamentals of shooting small targets at distance... You were, I mean, I saw people go through 30 rounds and not engage and not, not actually knock over all eight. Like there, there was a lot of misses. So the plates were on, on flip up. So whenever you hit the plate, they flipped over and now you're presented with an Ipsit classic target. And so not only did you have the eight inch plates, you now had four targets to shoot at as well. Um, (laughs) It was, I I really, did anybody actually run out of ammo? (laughs) Not the people that I saw shoot it, but I would not be surprised if some people did. Hmm. Um, but anyway, um, uh, so the timer goes off. I grab my gun and I brace myself against the windowsill because I'm not dumb. <laughs> I know I know my limitations. And offhand shooting at 25 yards, um, hitting eight inches is not not exactly easy. So hmm. I I brace myself and four shots, four hits, four targets nice. come up. So nice. I was happy with that. Tommy um, course paid off. <laughs> Tommy, yeah, well, not exactly because then I got like all overconfident right. and just blazed off eight more rounds of those <laughs> flipped up targets and got like I, I, I think I only got one mic, but there were a lot of Charlies and Deltas, and yeah. I did actually miss one. So that uh, that cut my score down quite a bit. And then you run out of the chair, you you grab your gun, you do a reload, you you hop out of the chair, you run down the side of the boat, down the the I don't know, whatever you call it, the deck, whatever, jump over the stairs, come around a corner and then you shoot another flip up target and a popper which exposes two more pirates that are off the 
port bow and then uh, or port side and then there's a couple off the stern too. Wait, which one's the stern? The front? <laughs> I have no idea. It was off the back. My my boat language is all it's old. I don't know any one. I I think the stern's the back, but I'm not sure. No, the stern is yes, the stern's the back. The yeah, bow the bow is the front because you bow to the front, right? Sure. And the stern is in the back. I don't know why they called the stern, but whatever. Anyway, so that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that mat or that stage. Um the space shuttle was really cool too. You you run in the back and you you shoot out of ports and stick your head out the top and jump off stairs and open doors and shoot prone and there was a lot of shooting prone unfortunately huh. um by a lot i think there were two stages out of the 16 so it's not really <laughs> a lot but seems like a lot uh, actually no there would have been three places you could have in fact i actually uh, handed out a bunch of procedurals to one shooter because his foot was over the line whenever uh, <laughs> he shot prone in one position right. so anyway really good match i really enjoyed myself um i did better than i thought i wanted to place half like in halfway mark that's where i placed the the previous summer slams i've shot i've always been sort of 25 26 out of about 50 shooters is usually where mm-hmm. i end up and this year i ended up 11th out nice. of 55 so that's awesome i was uh, i was very happy with those results um i i may actually go to provincials this year <laughs> based on based on my performance at SummerSlam because i know i can do better I started off the match shooting, well, I think I talked about this last week, I started off the match shooting very slowly and very methodically mm. trying to get good hits and then decided halfway through, let's speed up and get some speed too. And that's where I started getting my misses. So I think if I, if, I think I could probably find that middle ground and get a little faster but still get all my hits. I think I could do really well at Provincial. So I may end up going to that. I'm not sure yet. So, um Boom. Yeah, that was, uh, and, and actually one of the funnest things of SummerSlam was um, one of the local ATV dealers uh, donated their four-wheeler for Trevor to scoot around on as match director. And so after the match was done, I got to drive the, the 700 Grizzly that goes on two wheels really easy and spins really long and goes over 100 kilometers an hour on the range. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's all I have to say about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, so um, I'm sure Trevor next week will regale us with his experience of SummerSlam. So I'll, I'll cut her short there and move on to... Um, I have started shooting footage for my Double Badger review. I went to the range today and started uh, doing some, some shooting with that. A lot of fun. Um, and I learned that not all 410 ammo is created equal. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm shooting three inch number six shot, uh, and I have three different brands. And one of the brands is uh, a complete. I don't even like. It's terrible. <laughs> and, and well, it's not terrible. It's just it is. It's I, I, there's no other way to put it. Um, the the federal my gun and and you know what's probably not. It's probably like 22 where some guns just like different ammo. I don't have a lot of 410 experience, so I'm not sure if that's the case. Uh, you, with your 12-gauge, you must have some experience with this. Do you find that some ammo performs way better than others? Yeah, I never, I, I've never really tested it out for, like, birdshot and target loads or any of that. But I did notice goose hunting, yeah, there was some ammo that I could consistently bring down birds with, but other ammo... You know, I just, same shot, same, you know, same everything, but birds didn't fall. 
So I, I w- generally went higher end, you know, Winchester Supreme, and then eventually I moved to uh, heavy metal um, for, for, for my ammunition. And do you think that that would be the case for all guns? I think it could be. Um, yeah, I, I'm not 100% sure. You're finding, are you finding that it doesn't like it as far as patterning? Yes. Yeah. So, we, yeah, when it comes to, pa- yeah, I think so because you have, it's just consistency of, of the, the manufacturing is really what it comes down to is, is the pellets, pellets very consistent? Is the, the way they're packed in there consistent? Is the wadding consistent? You know, right. that's really what it comes down to. Well, I shot Federal, Winchester, and Challenger. And the federal stuff, it's not crimped. It has like a paper disc over the end, and it's like mm-hmm. roll crimped. Mm-hmm. And that stuff did not perform very well. Maybe, maybe in other guns. I know uh, Jason Gallen has a, mm-hmm. a twenty-two four ten as well, and his is a, a Savage twenty-four. And he says that the the federal stuff works fantastic. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering if it's just simply my gun doesn't like it. Yeah, it could be. So. Anyway, the Federal is not so good. The The Winchester actually performed very decently. I got good solid hits out to about 25 yards or so. Um, and the Challenger ammo was absolutely fantastic. At 25 yards, I put, there There was oh, probably a dozen, a dozen pellets within, oh, maybe two inches. Hmm. Like, right dead center of my target. Like, just there's this little group of 12 pellets sort of just kind of sitting there, and then the rest of them were sort of dispersed sort of evenly around around that. So it was really, really weird how uh, it stayed so tight. I'm sure that would shoot out to 30, 35 yards, no problem. I mean, you know, 12 pellets inside of two inches, you, you generally, what, get an inch for every yard or something like that? I'm not sure if there's a rule of thumb or not. Yeah, I, th- I think it's something like that. So anyway, yeah, I could stretch that out a little bit further and still get decent hits on, on small game animals. So anyway, that was a lot of fun. So listeners can uh, look forward to watching that video if they're interested in, in seeing how that performs. Naturally, I used groundhog targets to pattern <laughs> and to, to target shoot on because groundhogs. That's... Shouldn't you have used badger targets? I, I should have, actually, in... <laughs> You know, on, now that I think of it, that would have been a lot better. I didn't even think of that. I was just thinking of that poor groundhog that, uh, that uh, got shot in the face here a while back and figured that groundhogs needed to continue on with this. But, um, yeah, a badger would have actually worked out quite nicely. I-, I wonder if a badger can actually shoot a badger. Maybe I just would have continuously missed. But I don't know. I'm going to have to try it. <laughs> uh, well, lastly... I saw a coyote and had a chance to shoot it this week. Um, I was I was driving uh, to the airport in Grand Falls, and I was along a section of the highway, and not the four-lane, the two-lane highway, where um, it was easy to get off, and there were not very many uh, cars around. It wasn't very populated. No houses nearby for miles. In the middle of a clover field was one of the biggest coyotes I've seen in real life. I mean, I've seen bigger coyotes on videos and in pictures, yeah, but yeah. I, that I've personally seen is probably the biggest coyote I've ever seen. And I was like, oh, coyote. And so let's shoot it. Why not? So I slam on the brakes and stop and expecting it fully to run away. And it stood there. It must have been hunting something. So, okay. So I creep into the field. There's a, a tractor path. And so I pull into the field and I'm a hundred yards away, maybe. And the coyote's still sitting there. He looks up at me, looks back down at field mouse, whatever it is he's hunting, and just continues hunting and ignores me. I'm like, perfect. <laughs> so I reach in the back to grab my gun, and it's at home. 
<laughs> I took my guns out of the truck when we went to Quebec to pick up the airplane because mm -hmm. I knew the truck was going to be in town unattended all day. Mm -hmm. And so I forgot to put the guns back in the truck. And so <laughs> I sat there and watched that coyote for probably two or three more minutes of him pretty much ignoring me, me wow. thinking to myself, I could have easily gotten out of the truck, yeah. got the gun, loaded it, and shot the coyote. I mean, 100 yeah. yards away. It was probably a little, by the time I got up to it, because uh, I, did, I did pull closer in the field, I was probably 75, 80 yards away. And that is still pushing it for a 22, which is what I would have mm -hmm. had in the truck. But I know I could have gotten them. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I can hit. I, I, I know my 22s, and I know how yes. accurate I can be with them. I know I could have gotten them. And uh, it's too bad I didn't have my gun. I, I, there, yeah. There's a gun on my truck now. Lesson, lesson learned. <laughs> yes, always have a gun. <laughs> so that was terrible. But the rest of it was cool. I had a, I had a good last couple of weeks. I, did, I enjoyed my week off from the show last week because I was at Trevor's. So, but I am glad to be back. So, awesome. Yeah. So yeah. Um, uh, upcoming events. Uh, I thought I thought we were going to talk about our adventure. Oh, adventure. Yes. <laughs> okay, folks. You you have just tuned out of Slam Fire Radio and tuned into Top Gun Radio. <laughs> I just made that up. That's awesome. <laughs> Top, Top Gun Radio. Because <laughs> it's guns and it's flying. <laughs> okay, so if you aren't into guns, I mean, if you aren't into airplanes and you, you're going to hate this story, it's going to be about five minutes. Just skip ahead five minutes. We'll be back into upcoming events and we'll carry on. But um, well, listen, because it is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. We had an interesting, it's like an interesting death adventure. Defying. It was almost death defying at some That's points. Right. Yes. So, so yeah, what happened to it? How, how, start us off here. Uh, how far do we want to go back? Well, why don't we start with uh, why we went to Quebec? We went to Quebec to look at a plane. As many of the listeners probably know, or some of them do, uh, Matthew and I are flyers. Uh, what do you call it? What do we call Pilots. ourselves? Pilots, Pilots is the word. Okay, yeah. that's it. Uh, you can call us flyers <laughs> if you like, but people will then like take us and try to pin us to bulletin boards yeah. and stuff. <laughs> And then take selfies with us and then submit there them to the, for the contest. <laughs> Wait, that's not what we meant at all, guys. <laughs> so we were looking for a plane, and Matthew's been looking for this specific plane, kind of, keeping an eye out for these ones. Anyway, there was one in, in um, uh, Ramuski for sale, so we were going up to look at it with the intention that if we purchased it, we would fly it back, right? That is correct. Yeah. So we drove up. Uh, three of us uh, drove up. Another Matt drove up with us because, well, he can speak French. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically that, and, and he was going to drive the truck home if we bought it, so Owen and yes. I could fly back together. Yep. So, and fortunately, he speaks French, and and his skills came in yes. very handy. Yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we went up and and looked everything all over, and I don't think we need to go into too much detail about that. No, well, we ended up we ended up buying the plane. Long, long story short, we bought the plane. We bought the plane. So and um, we sat on the tarmac for I don't know how long. It was it was almost fifteen minutes. I'd say it was fifteen minutes waiting for other planes to land because all of a sudden, I don't think a plane landed all day. No, I don't think so. I don't remember seeing like maybe one no. or two, maybe. Yeah. And then, and then we start the engine, <laughs> and we sit there and wait. I mean, there, oh, there's a plane coming. Let's wait for him. There's another one. And they, yeah. it wasn't like they were all close together. It was like they were just far enough apart uh -huh. that you couldn't squeeze in between them. 
It's just like kind of when you're sitting at a traffic stick, a stop sign in town, and the cars, you know, it's it's almost far enough away to pull out, but not really quite far Without enough away to cutting someone off. Yeah, yeah. And you got to wait, and then there's an, and as soon as they get to you and you're about to pull out, there's another car that's just... Yeah. Anyway. <sighs> and it's a like small that. airport, so there's only one taxiway yep. and only one runway. And, uh, yeah, so we took off eventually, but we did burn a little fuel sitting there idling. Yes, and this will play into the story later on. <laughs> it's it's a uh, a seven gallon fuel tank. Yes. So as you you might surmise, this is not a full size general aviation airplane. We're talking we're talking ultralight here. Um, so uh, so yeah, we didn't have a full. We had a full tank of gas when we started, <laughs> and probably not a full tank of gas when we took off from all the idling. Yes. So so we. We flew for, I'm not even sure how long, but it probably was an hour and a little bit, an hour and 10. It was an hour and 45 minutes. Oh, really? An hour and 45 yeah, minutes? Yeah, an hour and 45 minutes. And, and about uh, an hour, I was looking at the gas tank, wondering <laughs> how long <laughs> it was going to hold out. <laughs> yeah. Well, when we first took off, the uh, the tachometer sort of malfunctioned, and, and I freaked out because I thought the chokes had been left on or something. I didn't didn't realize what was going on. I was freaking out, yelling at you, check the chokes, we're going to die, we're spiraling <laughs> in. But uh, but no, everything was cool. It was just an instrumentation error. So we continued on our way, and yeah, you know, about an hour in, we checked the fuel, and you're like, oh, it's down about half, and then a bit more, and you're like, oh, it's down less than half, and then we're like, it's less than a quarter, and we're still 45 minutes away from our destination, yep. Yep. and so I, we got nervous and decided that <laughs> it, it's time to land and put more fuel in, and so Matt, being in the truck, he had extra gas, he had the gas can, and we were talking with him um, sort of with radios, but that didn't work out so good. So it was mostly with texts. So we were texting back and forth. Owen was texting in the back seat while I flew in the front. And um, so we, te- Owen, you texted him, right? And you said something like, "We're going down." I think you know. I think you said <laughs> I we're landing. I, I don't think I quite phrased it that way. <laughs> we're but... going down in flames. No, we can't have flames. We have, we're out of gas. <laughs> so we tell him what we're landing, and that we'll, you know, with the intention of giving him more specific details when we get on the ground. Hmm. So. So we're, we we start looking for an appropriate place to land. Now, this is an ultralight. It only needs about 500 feet, so it's no big deal. We're just looking for a hay field or an old dirt road with no telephone poles on it, just something both, like that. We both saw this gravel road, mm-hmm. and, it, and we, we didn't communicate that, but we had both pointed that out as being a possible landing location. Yep. And uh, and so yeah, I, I circled around and we looked at it. And we decided maybe the road wasn't wasn't the best choice. Maybe the field beside it was better. Hmm. And uh, and so we we did, did a re- real quick flyby, verified that the field wasn't terribly hilly. Uh, you know, did a did a nice turn into the wind, what little wind there was, and set her down in a grass hayfield behind uh, behind some guy's house. Um, we didn't know it at the time, but there was a, a little bit of a slope, bit of a gradient <laughs> to the hill, and also there was a nice hump in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> and so we we actually landed twice. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> we landed once, then we got launched into the air again uh, by going over a, a nice hump, and then we landed again. Um, and so we get on the ground, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to text Matt our exact location. No service. Yeah, it's amazing once you get get down, you know, from a thousand feet. Yeah, there's no service. <laughs> no service in that area. Not a single bar. And so. Oh well, we told them approximately where we were going to be, but you know, we figured well, let's walk up to the house um, and use their phone and their landline and call Matt. And just as we were getting to the house, he flies by in the truck 
and yeah. uh, sees the plane in the field and turns down the dirt road. It's your truck, so I'll let you tell this part of the story. <laughs> so I still had my radio on, so I, I called him on the radio <clears throat> and said, oh, you just passed us on the road. And he said, oh, I'll come right back, except he didn't come back. So we continue walking down this dirt road, and there's a little bit of a hill, so we can't see what's on, you know, where where he is. And just as we're cresting the hill, we hear on the radio, I think we have a bigger problem, <laughs> which is never a good sign <laughs> when your support is saying we have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so we get over the hill, and here I, I see my truck with the front wheels on the road and the back wheels in the ditch. Now, They're- everywhere else on this gravel road, the ditch was about six inches deep <laughs> yeah, where he decided to turn around what four yeah, feet four feet <laughs> just dropped yeah i could put my hands under the wheels like it was on the yeah. muffler the drive the drive shaft and the gas tank is what it was sitting on and i and i did an oil change yesterday and i had it up on a lift and yeah there's still grass stuck in like the, in different places underneath there <laughs> <laughs> oh terrible so Anyway, we're we're now perplexed. We're like, let's use the plane to pull the truck out. Jokingly, of course, because <laughs> that's never going to happen. But uh, this old guy came along on a four-wheeler and pulled up and started talking to me. And I'm like, I have yep. no idea what you're saying, sir. <laughs> we're, parlez-vous français or parlez-vous anglais? He's like, no. I'm like, ah, oh, crap. Matt, yep. <laughs> you speak French, right? <laughs> so uh, Matt talks to him, and, uh, and this guy has a, a tractor. And so he uh, he takes off in his four-wheeler and comes back with his tractor and pulls the truck out, which was awesome of him. He wouldn't even accept any money. So we got the truck out of the ditch. You and Matt went off, got some fuel. I got eaten by black flies. And then uh, then we fueled up the plane and we went to take off. So the the, the field did have a hill, like a, a bit of a hill. And so where there's no wind, your best bet is to always take off downhill. Uh, you know, you have gravity assisting you and whatnot. And so we taxied to the top of the hill and uh, turned around and, and I firewalled the throttle and down the hill we went and the grass was what, eight, ten inches high? Oh, yeah, at least. And so it's grabbing at the wheels and it's, the plane's just not accelerating <laughs> the way we wanted it to. And, and the end of the field is getting closer and, and closer, closer and closer. And I'm gripping the uh, the bars on the plane harder and harder and <laughs> if, harder. If you push up on them, you can actually lift the plane, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so I'm I'm just seconds away from dropping the <laughs> throttle and going, you know, stopping, turning around, giving it a second try. When remember that hump? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we hit the hump again, and uh, <laughs> the wheels the wheels cleared the grass, and as soon as they cleared the grass, the plane accelerated like like oh, it, yeah, like it right was off. meant to, and uh, very quickly achieved climb out speed. We climbed up and uh, and followed Matt for a ways, and flew to the Edmonton Airport. So that was a, just a quick half hour flight to the Edmonton Airport at that point, and um, as we're getting closer, I notice that there's a plane on the runway or or something on the runway. I assume it's a plane because it's on the runway. Turns out it was trucks. They were <laughs> they were not repaving, but like resealing the runway. So this is 7.30 in the evening now. So I'm like, well, the runway is like 5,000 feet long. We only need 500 feet. We can still land. I mean, technically the airport's closed, but this it is sort of a, a fuel emergency. We do have to land. There's nowhere else for us to land. Uh, we don't have the fuel to go anywhere else, so better, we land. Better there on the, than on the highway. Better there than on the highway. That would have been the other option. <laughs> or the river, and we don't have float, so that's not an option. So 
we land well short of where the trucks are. I mean, there's no danger there oh, at yeah, all. And I'm yeah, thinking, yeah. okay, well, at 7.30 on a, on a Monday, nobody's here. No one's going to even know we were here. We'll, we'll land, gas up, take off. No, no, no one knows nothing. Of course not. There's two people in one of the trucks. <laughs> <laughs> so one guy gets out with his phone. He's taking pictures. We're like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully he's not texting with Transport Canada. <laughs> yeah. So I waved the other guy over, and he's like, uh, I'm like, sorry, man. We, we, had to, we had to land for fuel. He goes, oh, that's cool. No problem, man. We thought it was neat. <laughs> have, have, have fun. See you later. I'm like, excellent. So went and got some gas. And uh, now it's starting to get late. Now we're still 45 minutes from the destination. So we did some quick math and determined that I had just enough time to fly the plane to Grand Falls where we're keeping it. And so it took off and raced the sun all the way to Grand Falls and uh, and landed without incident. So mm-hmm. it, it was it was definitely a bit of an adventure. Um, there, there was there was actually even parts of the story we left out, like the part where I took off from the airport and a float plane took off from the river in the opposite direction and we passed each other and waved as we went by there was there was that and <laughs> yeah so it, it was fun but uh but so, sorry sorry for the the airplane story but uh it, it's it was a fun adventure it was share it, with it somebody. was cool to us <laughs> yeah it was cool to us and we didn't die and we didn't get lost in the middle of the nowhere and the engine ran the whole way so mm-hmm. it was exciting for us to have survived the trip well, why don't we move on to some upcoming events? And uh, Owen, if you want to take the first one. Sure. Uh, okay, we have Carbine Vitals Clinic. Uh, uh, Carbine Vitals 2 this is the second one. Clinic, September uh, 5th and 6th. That's Saturday, Sunday. There are spaces available. <clears throat> and uh, that's you can email us at slamfireradio at gmail.com to figure out how to register for that. Uh, the next section kind of is an addendum to that. Uh, two of our listeners, Andy and Stephen, Andy Shand and Stephen Casey, have generously donated their fully paid spots. Okay, so... They they basically couldn't make it. They can't make it. They've already so, paid and they can't make it. So instead of getting a refund, they decided to give their spots away for free. That's $400 US each. These guys are awesome. So you see Andy or Stephen on the street, you buy them a coffee or something. <laughs> and so how you can win this uh uh these these spots in the course go and post the slamfire radio flyer at your local gun store gun range or other gun friendly place and pose for it take a selfie and that's what we're asking you to do i can't believe we're asking people to take selfies but apparently we are you can uh, get somebody else to take the picture <clears throat> for you if you want i suppose that that would then technically not be a selfie uh, then post a picture on our Facebook wall or email it to us. And the two coolest, funniest, awesomest, or otherwise fantabulous entries <laughs> will be awarded these two spots. <clears throat> um, yeah, so it's the class is only three weeks away, so get on it. There are anonymous judges. <clears throat> so yeah, Thank you, ladies. Our- you, you know yes. who you are. And uh, the winner will be announced on episode 120. That's next week. Next Thursday, we have to have these by Thursday next week. So, yep. So get this done. Get out there. A couple of people have already sort of taken some pictures and sent them in. They didn't exactly follow the rules, but that's because the rules weren't exactly explained properly last week. I don't want to blame. Oh, so now it's my fault. I don't want to blame Owen for this, but it's completely his fault. <laughs> 
I don't even see any rules listed here. Are there rules? <laughs> yeah, you have to post a flyer at, at, at somewhere gun-friendly. The whole idea was to promote Slamfire Radio. And so with them just taking uh-huh, a picture uh-huh. of themselves at the range with the flyer, <laughs> that doesn't really promote the well, show at, at the all. range? Yeah, but they're not leaving the flyer there. They're like just holding it and taking it home with them. Oh, so you got to post the flyer somewhere. But we're, we, because it wasn't explained, all previous entries up until now, and by now meaning when the show gets aired, I guess, and there's no way for us to judge that, so whatever, this rule is basically <laughs> null and void. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, no, this is a great way to, uh, to, get, a, to get a free spot. On the on at this class, so make sure you especially only if you can, especially if you can actually make it. That's right. <laughs> make sure you only you know apply to win if you can actually make it, because yep. uh, it would suck to to award it to somebody who can't actually come. Yep. So. All right. And also the Woodstock Pistol and Rifle Club raffle, uh, ten dollars a ticket, and that's WPRC two thousand five at gmail dot com is where you send the email to uh, purchase your tickets. And uh, the proceeds are going to the range construction. So there's new facilities being constructed to create a multi-user range. That's my local range. And uh, they are actually, things are starting to move ahead a little bit on that now. So uh, hopefully hopefully they can get the rest of the money they need together to, to actually finish the job. <laughs> They're cool. kind of starting it on faith a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the Slam Fire Radio Black Badge course. That's uh, August 22nd, 23rd, which is only a couple weeks away. And uh, actually, that's only about a week away that I'm looking at it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this is Black Badge. If you're in the area and or not in the area, even if you're in Ontario, there's some people coming from Ontario for that. So send us an email. We can Trevor can get you in touch with who you need to get in touch with if you need to catch a ride or anything like that. So if you want your Black Badge, this is a great chance to get it. Excellent. All right, well, how about we move on to our main topic? All right. Uh, for our main topic this week, we uh, came up blank. Came <laughs> up short. We, 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 you came up blank. I, I had all kinds of great ideas, but you didn't want to listen to my ideas. That's so. not even true. <laughs> I love your ideas most of the time. Um, we're not talking about Comfrey again, <laughs> is all I've got to say. That sounds terrible. <laughs> Almost spit water all over my keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what we did in a last-ditch effort is I, I sort of copied Owen uh, from last week and decided to reach out to you, but the listener. But used a lot less technology. <laughs> Way less. All I used was Facebook. So I posted on Facebook, ask us your questions, and we'll see if we can get through them. Well, I think we won't have much of a problem. There's only three. <laughs> so... Um, I'll start with the first one, and then we'll just kind of roll through them and, and see how it goes. Sorry, folks, it's not going to be very long, but we'll do our best to drag it out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so from Sean Newman, are you gents at the point where you know enough people that you can start doing things like high-end comparison reviews? No. No, we're not. We don't know anybody. We don't know anybody. For example, between we all of your... We're at the point where we know a lot of people, but nobody important. Wait, that, that's not saying nice things about the people we know. No, it really isn't. No. Uh, for example, between all of your New Brunswick contacts, surely you know people who have every striker-fired 9 mil, and perhaps they could loan them to you for a large-scale test. That would bring you guys to the next level. Trevor, Trevor owns every striker-fired pistol. Yeah, I think he does, and, and he replied, "Ha ha, Trevor." So, um, I think he's laughing at the point at the part where we know important people, yeah. <laughs> high end and and whatnot. We we do not. 
Um, and Trevor does own pretty much every striker fired 9 mil, so you've heard most of those reviews already. Um, and, and really the consensus is, um, get, uh, get a Glock. Or, or 1911. Wait, that's not striker fired. <laughs> <laughs> but if it was, it would probably be work. Look, that, Trevor is really <laughs> taking with that FNS. I really um, like the FNS. And so do you. Um, yeah, that that's a cool gun too. You kind of did misquote his price last last week on the show. You did like, I? I think, I think he got it for like four twenty five. No, it was like six fifty or something. Oh, uh, okay. See, so I wasn't I wasn't sure. I, I had this idea that it was somehow really economical, but it is six fifty is economical compared to a Glock, which is close to eight hundred these days. That's true. That's and, true. And it's a in many ways, well, in some ways, a better gun. Just because so, of its just because of its sight radius. Sight radius. Um, Trevor really, really likes the trigger on it. Uh, was it the trigger he liked? No, yeah, it wasn't the yeah, trigger. No, it has a nice trigger. I think it has a decent trigger. And the grip is very grippy. It is very grippy. It does grip. It, the trigger is triggery. Yeah. The trigger guard guards the trigger. <laughs> I can do reviews. The barrel is what you put fish in. Right. That's not right at all. So, um, Sean, in short, no. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Uh, we do... I Actually, I do if have a couple... If you would like to send me your guns, I will review them for you. <laughs> yeah, there's that. I And if you send them to me, I'll make a YouTube video. I'm just saying. There you go. <laughs> yeah. We actually do have some, some higher-end contacts here that I have phone numbers for, but I forget who is who, and so I'm waiting for Chris Anderson to reply to me and let me know who I'm supposed to be calling here about what. So okay. he'll, he'll do that eventually, which is no problem. And then we'll talk to really cool people, and then we'll still be just as cool as we are now. Bring us uh, this next one. <clears throat> Thomas says, how do you use the Strelock Pro Ballistics app? No idea. Never, Never. even heard of her. I uh, went out to full 500 meters with my Tika T3 in 6.5 .5 by 55, and none of them come up. Uh, none of my come-ups match anything in the program. Oh, none You of just got to read it the oh, way it's yeah, written yeah, and assume it makes sense. It doesn't you unless go. you know what a come-up <laughs> is. I filled with all the variables and got nowhere but frustrated. So here's, here's how you operate that. You remember the 500 meters there? You, you, you put the app out at 500 meters and you <laughs> shoot it. And then it works right every time. Mm -hmm. um, I've never used a Straylock Pro Ballistics app. I don't do long-range shooting really all that much. The, um, all I've ever done is use like, online, like on, on the internet just uh, like ballistics calculators to figure out what my drops are at different distances. I've never done anything beyond that. So I'm sorry, I can't help you. <laughs> uh, what I can tell you with my li very, very limited experience is make sure that you have your cartridge information inputted correctly and make sure that you have your environmental um, settings inputted correctly. So make sure your elevation and your density altitude and your temperature and the humidity all that are in properly and make sure your your ballistics are in properly so your ballistics coefficient your velocity um that sort of thing as long as they're all entered properly it should work um but then again i've never used it so maybe there's something something else that we're all missing so i i don't know but good luck with that let us know how it works out if you do get it to work uh, philip hoffman writes with hunting season approaching hunting packs ideas on what to pack emergency gear Items for game cleaning, big game versus small game gear, calls, 
how to choose an area for scouting, baiting, trail camera setup. <laughs> wow, a lot of them in there. Yes, I think we have a, a couple shows there. <laughs> yeah, so now now we have a main topic. <clears throat> so hunting packs, ideas what to pack. So what a generic, what would you put in a generic hunting pack? Something that you would carry with you while out hunting. Something that you would carry with you with no matter what type of hunting you have in mind. Okay, this is what, this is what I put in. I put in some way to start a fire. I usually have my GPS. I have uh, emergency rations. I have a bottle of water. And uh, that's just about it. Maybe throw in like a, uh, a uh, one of those poncho or emergency blanket type things. But that's that's about all I carry when I Yeah, you could probably I get hunt. by for a couple of days with what you described there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, of course, I always have a I always have a couple knives. I may have a couple folders and I have my when I'm hunting, I have a fixed blade, fixed yep. blade knife. Yep. Yeah, so. no, that that sounds good. Um I I don't typically carry a whole lot when I go hunting because when I go hunting, it's usually just within, you know, 10 or 15 kilometers of the house, so I don't really feel the need to carry a whole lot with me. But if I was going out big game yeah, that's, hunting, that's that's all I usually go to, but I still will carry that. Oh yeah. Hmm. Maybe it. Well, I've 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 got what you've described in my truck all the time. So, right. As long as I'm within, as long as I don't lose the truck, <laughs> I'll be okay, I guess. Um, emergency gear. What uh, what do you carry for emergency gear, or is that your emergency gear? That that is my emergency gear. Yeah. <laughs> that, and, you know. Basically, I figure, what <clears throat> worst case scenario, you get lost in the woods, or you you know, shoot something, you know, towards dark and you try and track it and you have to spend the night in the woods. I've got a little bit of water, a little bit of food, something to keep me warm. That's not a really worst case scenario though, really. Well, no, worst case scenario is you blow your head off. Well, there's, I mean, there's that, but I'm I'm thinking, well, that's not even all that bad because, you know, (laughs) it's true. (laughs) But like worst, I'm thinking like you shoot a bear, but it gets angry and it calls up all of its cool (laughs) bear buddies and they track you down and they start eating you like one toe at a time. I mean, that's pretty worst case scenario. I well, can't I've got everything of... for that. So I, I, I can <laughs> throw rations at them to slow them down as they right. stop to eat them. I've got the emergency blanket to try to, you know, scare them with, with, you know, because the, the, the reflection. we know that all bears are mortif- mortally terrified of mylar. Yes. Well, they'll see their own reflection, right? And, and they go, wow, them. I'm so scary. I better run away from myself. You can start a fire. <laughs> Uh, if I have to, you know, and try to keep them. I have a gun, so right. I'm not really that scared of them anyway. Right. And last resort, I have a knife. Well, actually, last resort is my teeth, but, you know, I, they've got a lot of lines of defense there. There, there are, yeah, <laughs> there really are. I could drown them with the water. <laughs> Waterboard them. Yeah, there you go. Wait, is that legal? Yeah, probably. Uh, <laughs> all right. Probably not. Anyway, uh, that, yeah, that is my, that is my, that's my, I mean, that's a very basic survival kit, but, I, like you, I don't want to carry. I'm carrying a gun and ammo, and probably extra clothing because it's generally in the fall. It's colder out. Yep. I don't want to carry another ten or twelve pounds of gear. Yeah. You know, or, or fifty or pounds of gear on top of that. I I want to keep it pretty streamlined and just carry the stuff. If I have to spend the night in the woods, it's not just me all by myself. I've got. You know, I can start a fire, or I can you know have a little spite to eat to keep my energy up. Yep. You know? I I typically carry. Um, just on my person, um, a, a knife, 
at least one knife, usually two, a lighter, um, and then I have my phone, which is my GPS, and hopefully cell signal so I can call out as well as using the GPS. Most people don't know this. Your phone will work as a GPS without cell service. So bear that in mind. If your phone has a GPS sensor, you can use that without service. So um, I do carry that. Um, and then, of course, I have my gun and ammo. And then I'll usually have like a granola bar or something in my pocket. And that's usually all I have whenever I'm out hunting. Um, and then the rest of my stuff I leave in the truck. I don't carry it with me because I, I just, I, I don't know, maybe maybe it's foolish of me to not, but I'm usually within striking distance of the truck anyway. Like I can usually get back to it if something were to happen. So I'm not really terribly concerned with ending up in the woods overnight. And even if I did with what I have on me, I got I have the means to 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 cook a um to light a small fire and uh stay warm, build a shelter and uh you know maybe even shoot a groundhog for supper or something. <laughs> yep. So um items for game cleaning besides besides a chainsaw. <laughs> for game cleaning, I just I only ever use a knife. Yeah, that's all I ever use. Um, yeah, I mean there are some kind of fancy, you know, uh, fancy knives for you know gut hooks and 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 uh, what do they call those things? The the bungs that you put up the butt. <laughs> I, I, I'm <laughs> out. I'm yeah, out. I'm, I'm done. I don't, I, they're don't know. Anyway, I don't know they're called butt bung. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. No idea. Yeah. But so I mean, there's all kinds of other things like that. But generally, I've only ever just used a knife. Right. For for butchering for everything. So. What about big game versus small game gear? It's, I mean, small game gear is what I carry on me, typically, yeah. because I'm not going after big bears and moose. I think big game, you got to have some way to pack out the meat once you shoot it. Um, yep. A lot of ropes, a lot of pulleys to hoist things up and and get at, so you can get at things to cut them open and clean them out and cool them off and all that other that's fun true. stuff. Yeah, that's, that's for kind of after, though. That's yeah. not really a thing. Like, I don't carry anything different for any other, for, for uh, big game hunting or small game hunting. I, okay. I carry carry exactly the same gear, and then once I shoot something, then I deal with it. Because right. <laughs> it, it's just so dependent. I mean, if if I can back my truck into it, most most bear hunting, I can get my truck right up to it, right into the field or or right near the bait site, and yep. no problem to to pull it out and throw it on the truck. Um, one deer I shot, we I had to I had a um, Randy New Brunswick Dave was with me, and we had to haul it out through the woods, you know, sixty seventy yards. And then, well, you I had guess, random New Brunswick Dave with you, right? But it was—I it was, guess it was more like 150 by the time we got it to the truck. But you know, you just grab it by the horns and away you go. Yep. It's not—it's not like we're not a moose or something. Yeah, exactly. So. All right. Uh, how about calls? What do you use for calls? Um, <clears throat> I don't use a lot of calls. I do have like a deer call that I carry, but if I'm deer hunting, but I don't really know what I'm doing too much with it. Um, I know how to do a couple basic calls, and that's it. For me, calls is all about waterfowl. So yeah, your goose ducks calls. and geese, and, and yeah. I have two or three different duck and goose calls that I will carry with me when I'm goose hunting or duck hunting. Right. So um, and they have a lot of different. I mean, the thing is with calls, it sometimes it can be so um, dependent on the person. You know, one guy will say, "Oh, I love this call," and another guy will say, "Oh, I love this call." There is no perfect like this call is the best call there ever is, and everyone would use it because just. Some people prefer different sounds, you know, and, and everybody's mouth is shaped different. They call a little bit different. And so you really have to, 
it's a little bit of privacy, kind of like guns that way. You know, everybody's going to have their own personal preference in some ways. Right. But there definitely is a difference in sound between materials. So you're looking for, for waterfowl calls. You're looking generally for acrylic calls, uh, calls made of acrylic. You can buy like the poly calls or just like a cheaper plastic, and you can get wood as well. But most guys for short read goose calls and short read duck calls are looking for acrylic. That's that's kind of the top end as far as materials. Um, I'm not sure really what else to say about that. Yeah, I don't know. I've got a couple crow calls. That's all I got. Oh, and some turkey calls, but they don't do me any good here in New Brunswick because we're not allowed to hunt turkeys yet. Right. (sighs) How do you choose an area for scouting? Uh, Well, I don't choose an area for scouting. I choose an area for hunting, and then I scout it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I choose an area for hunting, but I scout it by scouting it. I don't know. To choose an area like this, I guess... Man, I, for deer, I don't know because I don't have a lot of deer in this area and I never been put much time into it. But I know for bears, you just, you just walk around and you just go, Oh, look, there's a bunch of bear poop. <laughs> yeah, there must be a bear nearby. There must be bears here. Or you walk down the back of a field in the fall and, and I've done that a few times for bear hunting in the fall. You find a cornfield and you walk down the back of the cornfield and when you get to the spot that has an acre or two of corn flat, you go, Oh, this would be a good spot to set up. You know, that's really, you just look for, look for food sources. As I've always said, and and this is what I kind of find a little bit ironic about people who are anti baiting is that we, we take advantage of two, the two basic instincts that all animals have, which is food and sex, you know, and those two things we, whether you bait or not, most hunters generally, go to where the animals are feeding or they're finding the spots where the animals are traveling back and forth from feeding and that's where they hunt because they know there's a higher probability of seeing the animals. Yeah, I'd like to know what the difference is between putting out your own bait and going to where the animal's food already is. Exactly. There's no, I don't think there's any difference really. I don't think so. Except that if you put out your own bait, you can sort of, you can sort of uh, control what it tastes like. Yeah, mm, mine's gonna taste. Mine's gonna taste like donuts. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yep, good. All good points there. Uh, so that brings us into trail camera setup. How do you set up your trail cameras? I don't use a lot of trail cameras per se. I, I generally just use cameras where I'm baiting, um, because again, I'm more of a bear hunter than a deer hunter. Um, I so I, I have a bait, so I know you know I. Knowing your camera is important. <clears throat> I've had a number of different cameras over the years, some cheap ones, and I have one higher-end one that I have not actually used yet. I just got it uh, last winter. So I'm looking forward to seeing what it can do. Uh, some of them, one I had, it was it was really awful. The 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 trigger mechanism on it had a, was very hard. You had a lot of movement to trigger it. Well, animals don't make a lot of movement. No, they move fairly slowly and methodically because they're scared of getting eaten by something bigger. Exactly. So that they're, it was hard to set off, and when it was set off, it had a quite a long delay. So it would be number of seconds after. So you kept getting empty pictures. We got I got a lot of empty pictures or pictures of you know the ass end of the bear. You know, like, right, yeah. <laughs> so I and then and then you can get you know you've got. Uh, Ones that have like a regular flash, then you have ones that have like a, a infrared, a infrared flash. You know, there's generally you get what you pay for. 
with with trail cameras and so when i said and then knowing your distances so some cameras like to be close some cameras need to be farther away whatever you have to play or i find i have to play around with them with their optimal triggering distance and then set them up there so it's really about knowing the camera that you have <clears throat> i i generally don't do video i like to do just pictures because that's really all all i'm using it for possibly to get some cool pictures but to just know what i have coming and roughly what times. Right. That's really, really all the cameras for, just so you give you maximize. For me, you know, I have don't have a whole lot of time to hunt, so I try to max use that as a tool to maximize my hunting time. Cool. Well, that sounds yeah. good. <clears throat> yep. Um, anything else beyond that? Can't really think of anything else. Hmm. How much? Here's a question. How much ammunition do you if you if you were going to go big game hunting so deer hunting, yep. how much ammunition or even small game hunting I guess with shotgun or whatever, how much ammunition do you usually carry? When I go hunting with it depends on what I'm carrying. If I'm carrying my Mossberg 500, I'm going after small game. I will carry uh, enough to load the tube, uh, plus usually six more, is what I usually carry on me. So I've got 12 rounds. Hmm. Um, that's usually all. Like if I'm carrying with a 22, oddly enough, I carry a, at least 50 rounds. And what I'll do is I'll a couple of magazines. Usually I have three mags loaded to 10, and then 20 more rounds stick, uh, sticking in my pocket somewhere. Um, and that's usually because when I have my 22, I end up hitting a gravel pit and plinking for half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I don't normally. Um, I, I understand what my actual what, what I'm going to be getting when I'm when I'm out hunting. And I typically only see a couple of birds a year, so carrying more than what I have would just be silly. Um, in fact, honestly, I could probably just carry three or four shells and be done with it, not have to worry about <laughs> anything else. Uh, big game hunting, probably the same thing. Um, if I was hunting moose or bear, I'd probably be using my Lee Enfield, so I'd have 10 rounds in the mag, and that's what I'd carry, just the 10 rounds. I'd, I can't see myself needing beyond needing more than that, really. Uh, varmint hunting, coyote hunting with the 2-2-3, there I will carry... See, then I have no idea what I'm going to run into. Um, yep. I usually carry uh, a pack of 20 reloaded rounds, so I have 20 rounds with me. Okay. What about you? I'm, well, you know me. I tend to be a little overkill on some things. There's no such thing as overkill. Overkill is I, just the right amount of kill. Yeah, that's right. I, I will carry a box of ammo when hunting small game. So, you know, 25 rounds, I'll load up my gun and throw the rest in my pocket. Yeah, and then I when for big game hunting I carry whatever my gun holds. So it's if I'm using the M305, it's five rounds in the magazine, or if it's the uh, my 3030, my lever action, then it's uh, I think it's seven it holds. Right. And then then I have the, either the rest of that box uh, or another full box in my either a little hunting bag I carry or in my pocket. Sometimes I did carry an, just an, an extra loaded magazine for the M305 because I have two magazines for it. So. Yep, might as well. I mean, it's already in the mag. It's easy enough to swap out if you needed it. Yep. yep. So I don't know why I carry that much because I've never hunted big game that I that took more than one shot. You know, I've always only ever fired one shot at anything I've ever killed, and it killed it. So I've never needed follow-up shots, but for some reason I always would rather have more ammo. <laughs> so and I don't I don't think there's anything I hunt with a 22 so yeah alright well uh, that yeah good question 
Um, it'd be interesting to see what other people carry. So if you guys want to send us an email, send us an email with uh, how much ammo you carry when you're out hunting. And uh, maybe you can even answer some of those questions too. What you carry, what you pack with you, what your emergency gear is, what kind of calls you use, baiting, whatnot. So uh, uh, hunting season is rapidly approaching. So let us know uh, how you're preparing for it. And uh, speaking of email, why don't we move on to some listener feedback? This first one comes to us from Dirt McGirt. And I, I remember Owen saying, ooh, ooh, pick me. Ooh, can I read that one? Ooh, I want to read that one. That's my favorite. So, Owen. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I think what I said was not feeling very gangster tonight. <laughs> right, which is the, the exact same as what I said. I'm sure of it. Uh, Okay. Dirt said, yo, yo, yo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, can I give you a one finger up instead of the two thumbs? That's for you, Owen. <laughs> yes. So, yes. What? Nothing. Go ahead. Yeah. P.S. <laughs> P.S. Red, red dot should I put on my AK? And then P.S.S. Canadian tire trigger locks are garbage. Spread the word. Okay. So don't buy your trigger locks at Canadian tire. Um... Red dot for an AK. Um, I think if you just, the front post, if you mark it with a red Sharpie, that's about as red dot as you're going to get. What do you think? Does that work? Um, <laughs> yes. All right. AKs aren't accurate enough for red dots. You're supposed to shoot them sideways with life jackets on. Yeah, Dirt isn't very, very up on his gangster shooting. I guess. You don't put red dots on AKs. That's just silly talk. Yeah. So he's giving us one finger instead of two thumbs? That's terrible, I, it isn't it? It looks like it, So yeah. now we have two thumbs up and one finger. <laughs> uh, All right. I don't, I don't think we can count people I, giving us the finger. No, it's that's... The same. No, it's got to be thumbs, folks. Thumbs are nothing. Yeah. All right, this next one comes to us from Kelly Lynn of New Shooter Canada. Hey, guys, was just uh, was listening to the past two shows and thought I would say hi. Matthew, I heard you were not liking the wolf ammo. I was talking to a few people uh, and also to SFRC, and reviews have been favorable about it. The consensus is that it's pretty good, but like most ammo, some guns like it and others don't. I think that it's pretty good stuff. It looks great, and since it's reloaded, it saves you some money. Our gun's like the 124 grain, so we'll keep shooting it. Maybe this means you need to buy a new gun. Hmm. I like the way you think. <laughs> uh, for your listeners, the 6th Annual Podcaster Charity Shoot is starting to be planned, and it is officially taking place in Ontario in 2016. New Shooter Canada will be hosting it this time, and the tentative date is June 25th, 2016. We have a Facebook page, and there will be regular updates throughout the year. Message Kelly, Thomas, or George at New Shooter Canada, and we can add you to the group. Oh, and thanks for subscribing, downloading, and listening. Of course, you always get to get a plug-in. Always. <laughs> uh, we do the same thing. No, it's fantastic. We love it. Um, also wanted to say that, that the Slam Fire, or to the Slam Fire crew, thanks guys for the awesome shoot this year. It was first class and lots of fun. I felt very welcome and it was nice to be back in New Brunswick. It'll be hard to top this year's shoot, but hopefully we can get everyone to come to Ontario in 2016 and have a blast, with the exception of Tannerite. Darn you, CFR. CFO. <laughs> yeah, not allowed to have Tannerite in the ranges in Ontario. That's terrible. Mm. Finally, I am feeling the love. 
I'm pretty new to shooting and to podcasting, but I feel I have finally made it. Trevor threw me under the bus on episode 116. <laughs> Love it. And yes, Trevor, I owe you one black badge course. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good fight. Keep recording. I go to bed with you all on Thursday nights. <laughs> okay. On Thursday. Huh. Okay. Cheers from Kelly Lynn at New Shooter Canada. That, that didn't out, sound right. That turned out to be a little more explicit than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> huh. I hope Jewel doesn't listen. Okay. So, Kelly... <laughs> Awesome. Thank you for uh, for the email. Um, oh, Jewel just walked in. She's got her hand on her hips, and she's looking at me sideways. <laughs> you, you, dear, you can come over and read this email. Uh, no secrets in our relationship, dear. That's right. It's, it, apparently there is with Kelly, but whatever. So anyway, Kelly, thank you for the email. Um, the Wolf Ammo. Um, I've heard other people say fantastic things about uh, Wolf Ammo, too. Um, it, it could have just been my Glock that didn't like it. Uh, I, I don't know. It was going through the paper sideways. Like it was tumbling as soon as it came out of the, the, the barrel. So I ended up buying 300 rounds of CCI Blazer, um, nine mil reloaded the, the, uh, not reloaded the, uh, aluminum case stuff. And it worked fantastic. Like I said earlier, 25 yards, eight, four shots, four hits on eight inch plates. So it, it's obviously shot straight. So if I have to go with cheap ammo, that'll be the stuff I get from now on. I think, unless I can find something else. Um, the podcast charity shoot next year. That's, I can't wait. Um, I, first of all, thank you for taking this over and doing yes. it because it means a load off of our plates. It's a, it is a bit of an organizational, uh, commitment. And so it's nice to see, uh, you guys shouldering that this year. And, uh, well, and I know huh? we have a lot of, we have a lot of listeners in that area. Yes. And to have it here year after year isn't really fair to them because not everybody can, can take the time and, and That's right. expense to come out, you know, to travel all the way here. So I mean, Ontario is in the center of the universe. So it's fantastic. <laughs> <in> their <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, there are, you're going to be able to get way more people. And I hope that it's an, it's the biggest and best one yet because, uh, I mean, this, this is for charity. So, um, bigger and better is the only way to go, in my opinion. Um, and other than that, getting tossed under the bus. Uh, that's just, yeah, par for the course. Congratulations, you have arrived. <laughs> that's just how that goes. So, <laughs> thanks for the email. And, uh, Owen, bring this next one to us from Pat. From Pat. Pat says, Greetings, great show, and I really enjoy listening. Except when my daughter heard about the ground squirrel incident. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about LOL. that. <laughs> you should have put, uh, like, a PG-13 rating on that one or something. <laughs> <laughs> things may or may not have been shot in the face this week. I'm just just saying, oh, by the way, I shot a, I shot a crow with my, my Kappa the other day. Or, uh, no, earlier this morning. That was today. Okay. Um, I was out uh, out and about, and uh, I, I, no, I noticed... No, 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 no. You're what? in the Maritimes now. Uh, you were out, out and about. Out and about. <laughs> so <laughs> I was out, and uh, I noticed uh, a murder of crows. Um, that's what you call a fo- flock of crow, folks, a murder. And so I stopped, and surprisingly, they did not fly away. And so there were a couple in a tree, and the tree was 30 yards distant or so. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to shoot one with my 410. And so I load in a 410 and a 22 shell. I mean, I, I load up both chambers. And uh, I line up on the crow, and I pull the trigger, 
And it's the wimpiest sounding 410 I've ever heard in my life. Because I pulled the 22 trigger accidentally. <laughs> and the crow still fell out of the tree, just like it was dead. It was dead, because I still killed it with the 22 instead of the, the 410. But um, yeah, when I first pulled the trigger, I'm like, oh, dang, hang fire? What? What's going on here? Oh, nope, wrong trigger. <laughs> anyway, sorry, sorry. Yes, we'll move on back to the email from Pat. Okay, I was curious about selling a rifle uh, via online. I have, oh my. <laughs> this a, is why I did this to you. <laughs> <laughs> a Lungman AG42. I See, is. I would have called it Jungman because I would uh, assume oh, that be. the L is silent, but maybe the J is silent. Well, maybe the, the L was a, mis, was a misspelling. Maybe it is. No, because I looked it up and that's how it's spelled on oh, Google it is. too. Okay. I just didn't look up a pronunciation because it was funnier this way. So, listeners, okay. is it Lungman or Jungman? Or is it like Le Jungman? I, that sounds French. <clears throat> it's probably not that. Yeah, I, I would, yeah. I mean, you, you say, but maybe it's an H sound. Lungman. Lungman? I don't know. Like Jose? You know. Oh, right. Well, maybe it's Spanish. That's right. <laughs> I don't think it's Spanish. It sounds like Lithuanian or, or Lithuanian or something like that. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Pat purchased this uh, many moons ago and would like to try and sell it as opposed to trading it in towards something else. Can you steer me in the right direction as I have no experience with this type of transaction? Also, what would you suggest is the best way to ship the rifle if I do sell it? Lastly, I can't seem to find any value for it after searching the web. Any suggestions? Oh, Matt, maybe you would like this rifle. <laughs> Thank you, and keep up the good work. Pat from the west coast of Canada. Oh, three thumbs up. P.S. Three thumbs up. Awesome. Pat, thank you for the mutated person you are and having I was just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> we got a out finger from, from Dirt McGirt and then three thumbs from... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, I can help you with uh, with two things right off the bat. First of all, no, I would not like the rifle. Thank you for the offer, though. Um, it's just not my cup of tea. First of all, it's not a twenty-two, so there's 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 the first downside. <laughs> um, where can you sell this? As, as, uh, there are two two online forms that um, that I'll, I'll point you to. One is Gun Owners of Canada. They have a buy and sell. As long as you're a member, you can access the uh, the buy and sell section, and you can post it there. Uh, the much bigger venue um, is Canadian Gun Nuts, and uh, you've heard us speak of Canadian Gun Nuts in the past. Um, we, you've heard us probably talk about the equipment exchange in the past, and that it is not usually the best place for deals. Usually, you end up paying more than what you would in the store for a used gun. Um, that happens a lot, but. Um, there are many buyers there, and so that may be a good spot to advertise it. As for the value, you try to find um, on Canadian Gun Nuts or on Gun Owners of Canada other similar guns and try to get maybe a value that way. Um, and unfortunately, I don't think you're allowed to post just best offer. You have to actually have a price on it, so I don't know where you would start. I have zero experience with this type of rifle, so... I, I have no idea what its value would be. So, um, best way to ship it. Wrap it up in bubble wrap or, or foam or something. Stick it in a cardboard box and tape it up and take it to the post office. Uh, I believe, I believe it has to be rendered inoperable as well to ship it via Canada Post. So take the bolt out or, or something to that effect. Just make trigger it lock. You can buy a tr cheap trigger lock or something. You could buy like a cheap that. trigger lock. Uh, I've I've received guns from stores with just a zip tie through the trigger guard holding the trigger back. 
which doesn't really <laughs> do anything <laughs> unless unless the thief doesn't have a knife, in which case <laughs> he is defeated. <clears throat> well, he is buying a gun, so right. If he didn't so, have a knife, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I, I hope that helps. Um, I'm I'm sorry. I I, I just I, I don't I don't know anything about these guns. I looked up. I saw a picture of one. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't look like anything I'd be interested in, so I moved on. So, um, yeah, I, I have no idea what it what it would cost or 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 what to ask for it. But good luck. Let us know how it goes. Yes. Um, last one here. Oh no, two more. Okay, next one from Alan. Hello, Matthew, Trevor, and Owen. I'm a loyal listener to your Slamfire Radio podcast and wanted to take a moment to drop you a line and say hello and thank you for your efforts in putting Slamfire Radio on the air each week. I stumbled across your podcast last November and decided to start at the beginning and work my way up to the present. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, too. That's, um, <laughs> that's quite the undertaking, and I commend you on that. Uh, commencing with episode one, over the past nine or ten months, I've managed to catch up to episode 85. I'm hopeful that I will get myself fully up to date and current by the end of the year. Your podcast has been my regular companion while I have traveled extensively on business and when I needed some downtime at home, and your insightful banter kept me interested and smiling while I worked on my guns in the evenings and on the weekends. You have all been most excellent company for the past many months. By way of background, I am a senior litigation lawyer, currently in my 34th year of practice, and most of my time is occupied uh, defending product liability claims. In that capacity, I have been fortunate and privileged to act for and help out some very well-known global brand manufacturers in the firearms industry. Through this work, I have also become an avid reloader and firearms enthusiast. While Trevor may snicker, like Matthew, I have a strong affinity for the 22 and have a number of Ruger 1022s. Not to worry, though. I also have several Glocks in a 1911, too. Good. Trevor Trevor is much happier now that you have a 1911. <laughs> Trevor loves 1911s. He just bought another one, actually. I'm not sure if his wife knows yet, so I hope she doesn't listen. <laughs> I also enjoy my 223s, my 308s, and my 300 Win Mag. Recently, I have become intrigued by long-distance precision shooting, and I was thrilled to take a three-day course in June offered by the Rob Furlong Marksmanship Academy in Rocky Mountain House, Alberta. Rob Furlong is a true Canadian patriot and hero, and he is also a gifted instructor. He and his team had all of the students, myself included, consistently ringing the gong at 600 meters by the end of the three-day course. It was an incredible weekend of learning from Rob and his team of world-class Canadian Forces snipers. Wow. I'm jealous. Yes. That sounds like a lot of fun and an extremely interesting and informative course. Um, yeah, that's something I've always wanted to do is, is get some, some, uh, formal, uh, long range precision shooting. So, wow. Good job, Alan. Um, I thought that you would be interested to know that I have been inspired by your podcast to branch out my interests. I have recently purchased my first shotgun, a Mossberg, based solely upon Matthew's descriptions of his fondness of it in an early show. I also purchased another Glock, in addition to my original 9mm, after listening to both Owen and Trevor commenting about the versatility and practicality of the platform. To put it mildly, I am a Canadian firearms enthusiast and a strong advocate for the firearms industry in this country. I feel that your efforts to educate, inform, and entertain your listeners in a consistently 
even, thoughtful, considered, and yes, Matthew, funny, manner, <laughs> is providing a fabulous service to all Canadians who support the shooting sports and who believe in strengthening our legal status as gun owners. I wanted to thank you all. Uh, I, I Try that again. I wanted to thank you for all that you do and encourage you to keep up the outstanding work. If you were ever in the Calgary area, I would encourage you to contact me as I'd like to thank you each in person. Kind regards, Alan. Wow, I think I'm getting a little misty-eyed over here. Wow, yeah, I guess. That uh, that 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 has got to be the best <clears throat> email we've ever received. Except for that one from Dirty earlier. Except for that one. That one that one's awesome. But this that this was good. Um look at that. We have a real listener. Somebody who's like a lawyer. A yeah. senior litigation lawyer. <laughs> wow, I'm gonna we're gonna have to step up our game. Good I thing he's only at episode 84. He's, he's going to go downhill <laughs> quite a ways when he gets to 119. But then, we'll, then we're going to start bringing it back up, boys. I mean, we've got real listeners now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, excellent email, Alan. Thank you very much. Um, you've inspired us, and we will uh, we'll continue to, to do our best. Well, we'll continue to put out shows every week, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so um, bring us his last one here, Owen from Mark. All right, Mark says, hey, guys, just wanted to know your thoughts on an AR-180B versus the XCR. I have a Daniel Defense Mark IV now, but would like to carry something new around instead of just at the range. Love the show and keep them coming. Thanks. Okay. Um, AR-180B versus XCR. Mm. Well, um, <laughs> the 180B, if you can find one. <laughs> yes, there's that. The XCRs are easy to find. Now, here, here see, for me... I would lean towards the 180B, mm -hmm. and here's why. The XCR weighs like 11 pounds, <laughs> which isn't very much. I mean, I can pick up 11 pounds, folks, but lugging that through the woods all day, mm -hmm. that's another matter. However, if this is a truck gun, then the XCR all the way, because it's just going to stay in the truck. You're not lugging it around. It's not like a, a walk-in-the-woods kind of gun. The AR-180B is more of a walk-in-the-woods kind of gun, obviously not your traditional-looking walk in the woods kind of gun but it's very lightweight it's got a polymer lower um the barrels are thin like they're not heavy barrels and so uh it's not a heavy gun um couple of things to bear in mind the ar-180b unless you purchase one that's already been modified it does not come with any sort of rail system um that's not true it does not come with any sort of rail system that is easy to use it comes with one that's very proprietary if i remember correctly um, so you can only put one attachment on it and it comes with peep sights. So you can get them modified where it has a Picatinny or a Weaver rail on it. So you can do that if it's not already done for you. The XCR, on the other hand, has rails all over it. You, that you could put whatever you want on the XCR and make it 22 pounds if you want. Um, <laughs> the XCR, in my opinion, from reviews I've read and from... Uh, first-hand experience with it. I don't have any first-hand experience with the AR, but with the the XCR, I can tell you the XCR is extremely accurate. Um, it uh, they they both take uh, your standard AR-15 mags, so that means uh, AR-15 pistol mags and Beowulf mags are are good to go in both fire, uh, both platforms. Um, the XCR, um, go ahead. I was just gonna say one advantage public that goes to the XCR is the multiple caliber options. Uh yes. The XCR oh. you can get in uh, five five six. What is the other? A three oh eight. What's the other? There's one in between There's two. Seven point six two by thirty nine. Yep. 
There's that one, and there's the, there's the, the, the. Can you get him in 300 blackout? Uh, I don't remember. Not sure either. But yeah, they're definitely multi-calibered. Yeah. You can. Yep. It's like an AR too, where you just swap the upper and change the mag. I think for a lot of them. Uh, obviously not the 308 one, because those are completely different mags. But uh, but yeah, multi-caliber for the XCR. Um, the uh, the XCR is probably going to be more rugged, more durable because it's all metal as opposed to the polymer uh, buildup of the AR, um, and uh, probably higher quality too. But you are going to pay through the nose for both of them, really. They're probably both close to around the same price, about twenty two thousand to twenty five hundred dollars. Is XCR a bit more than that now? I'm not sure. What the I think they're around. Is. Yeah. So yeah, you're you're definitely going to be paying. $2,000 plus for either rifle. Um, but yeah, it, it really boils down to, do you want something that you're carrying around with you or something that you're throwing in the truck and driving around with you? That's unless you're built bigger than I am. In which case, <laughs> which isn't would, hard. <laughs> which isn't hard. My cats are mostly heavier than I am. But um, Well, <clears throat> a proper sling system too could make a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as, as far as carrying. Yes, there's that too. So yep. I mean, and then the other advantage to the AR 180B is the fact it's an AR. You know, it's got a lot of very similar characteristics as far as um, uh, manual firearms and stuff. I'm not sure how close it matches to the XCR, <clears throat> so I'm not very familiar with the XCR. But right. Okay. Well, uh, hopefully, Mark, that answered some of your questions, and uh, I know Trevor was emailing you as well. So hopefully, you got some answers from him too. Um, yeah, good luck with your with your purchase, and let us know which one you go with. So, uh, if you'd like to send an email to the show, please send it uh, very similarly to the type of email Alan sent. Uh, that is the kind that uh, that tells us how awesome we are and uh, and whatnot. Um, that type of email is always accepted. Um, you can send those to slamfireradio at gmail dot com. So we look forward to hearing those and reading those. Um, I was looking up earlier iTunes reviews, but iTunes wasn't working for me. So I'm going to try it again real quick right now and uh, see if it works. But while I'm waiting for that to load, we will go on into uh, shoutouts. So Owen, what do you have for shoutouts? Hmm. Hmm. Probably should think about these things before I get to this point in the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, I- uh, it. Yep. <clears throat> no, I don't have any shoutouts. You don't have any shoutouts. Not this week. All right. Well, that's terrible. You should definitely have shoutouts. Because <laughs> I'm it would not be even a lot halfway. Better for you. It would be a lot better for you because then I'd have, be able to kill more time while that's you right. were waiting for. Tell us another airplane story. <laughs> no, I don't feel like it. <laughs> All right. So I've I've got See, iTunes. If I, can create, if I can create an awkward pause here, then you have to edit. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, our last review was the Batman review. And so, obviously, there are no new ones. So, we do thank everybody for the iTunes reviews, though. We do love them. And uh, if if you feel so inclined, head over to iTunes. Give us a nice, big five-star rating and then uh, write a couple lines and we'll we'll read it on the show. So, uh, shout-outs for me. Uh, to all of the helpers and uh, members at the Rusty Goose Gun Club who helped put on SummerSlam. Uh, there's no way I can name you all. But, uh, um... You know, obviously Trevor uh, had a lot of help, and uh, Trevor did a really good job, and he did it because he had awesome helpers there. Um, so uh, John Allen, uh, Harold, Nick, Helmet, uh, 
uh, Rennie, like there's just, I can't name y'all. It was really, really nice to work with all you guys and to put on an awesome match. So shout out to all of you. And uh, I can't wait to do it all again with you guys next year. So uh, please check out the Crusader Podcast Network at crusaderpodcast.com. All kinds of cool podcasts over there, excluding the gun dudes, because they quit like Shelton. <laughs> They're a bunch of quitters. <sighs> um, join any or all of our national firearms associations. There are several of them. And in fact, a new one just popped up. We're going to be talking about that on next week's show, more than likely with Trevor. So um, it is important to support them. They help us help ourselves and and other cliche lines can be inserted here check us out on gun owners of canada uh, we have our own little forum there and um also like us on facebook we are currently at um let's see here if i click and my computer goes faster there we go 1254 1254 likes and we currently have five thumbs up so five thumbs up and counting um, we, we, we appreciate all of the interaction we get with our <laughs> listeners. So continue in any fashion you see fit. We just, we just like hearing from you and interacting with you. So I guess, I guess on that note, unless Owen, you have anything else to add? I have absolutely nothing more to possibly add. <laughs> fantastic. On that note, then I hope everybody has a fantastic <clears throat> week. Hug your guns and take somebody's shooting. Will do. I'm going to do that tomorrow. Excellent. You do that. See you next week, guys. Oh, is this where you want to end the show? And any time now. Oh yeah, you had a smooth ending there. That's can, too bad. I can you can you say like goodbye shot. or something? Goodbye or something. You no, know, like say goodnight, Owen. Goodnight, Owen. There we go. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over. It's time to get a gun